This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hello there, everybody, and happy beeps today because we are talking Last Jedi, and this is episode 50. We are halfway to 100 if you're counting at home. I'm Josh. Yeah, speaking of happy beeps, I kind of figured out what my droid designation would be. I think I landed on 4D4M. 4D4M? Yeah. Okay. i got to figure out mine still. <clears throat> yeah. i got to work on that. Yeah. F- fours kind of have that A shape, so I'm going to go with 4D4M. Yeah, yeah. It's easy enough. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I'll let you know. I'll get back to you on that one. I was thinking so, about yours. I would, if you just want to use letters and numbers, I would just go with J05H. I like it. Yeah, let's let me, <laughs> let me write that down for my records. Um, okay, all right. Okay, okay, here we go. So J05H. 5H. J05H. Whatever you want to do. How it works. I don't care where you put the dash. That's it. I don't cool. know what that's going to mean in the future for us. I don't but, know. You know <laughs> but at least we have it. I have it maybe written we'll, down. Maybe we'll put it on a shirt or something. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Well, it's official. We have our okay. droid designations and we are giving some happy beeps today. Um, and Adam, what have you been up to this week? Uh, I am like. Th- this close to finishing up alphabets uh shadow uh mm-hmm. what was it shadowfall and i listened to catalyst the rogue one novel uh audiobook nice i love catalyst it's pretty good and yeah. uh this is not star wars but i started watching i i i, I watched some more because i've watched it before i watched some more uh what we do in the shadows the taika watiti show mm-hmm mm-hmm that 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 show is it's it's not kid friendly but it's it, i i it's hilarious i i love it it's so funny i have i have not experienced it yet so yeah where, you where should check you it out it's uh, hulu that's on hulu okay hulu yeah it's uh it's it's pretty good nice so what yeah, have you been up to well i you know in preparation for this week's episode of course i've been watching the director in the jedi which is the that, um, yeah. kind of almost feature length docu- documentary on the last jedi mm-hmm. um but more than watching things uh, i've been listening to some things this week uh because and this is not star wars related either but i know you and i are both shine down fans and uh, um yeah I, I lead totally singer to brent smith and uh, i think seth myers another band member um, they go by Smith and Myers mm-hmm. and uh, they dropped a new album called Volume One uh, has a lot of great stuff on it. You know, it, it's kind of like a two man band, they, a lot of acoustic stuff. You know, um, it's really they do some covers, but they have done some originals for this one. And did I you say Seth it, Myers? So. Yeah, I think it is. That's or maybe the, it's, no, that's the uh, that's oh, the. That's the SNL guy. Um, oh, the SNL guy. Must be a different Myers. Then. Zach. Zach. Zach Myers, Myers and Brent Smith. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for the fact check. Don't yeah. Fact check. No, that's, that like, something, <laughs> didn't, something just didn't sound right there. It was like, Seth, my, that's, it's like, that sounds familiar, but it didn't like, 
sit right, you know? Yeah, I feel like I probably do that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> where I yeah. just say names. I've done it on the show <laughs> before. Uh, yeah, I forget who we were talking about, and then uh, it was it was like the it was like the same first name or last name, and then I forget you you corrected me, and I was like, yeah. right, it's easy to it's do. easy to do, <laughs> easy to do. Yeah. So I've been enjoying me some Smith and Myers Volume One for sure. I'm looking forward to Volume Two, which is coming out soon. Nice. Um, now. I have to say, I dropped the ball this week on the poll because I simply forgot to do it, to be completely okay. transparent. <laughs> um, but I, I Tw- thought of Twitter a question. Yes, it did. It, it continued on. Actually, um, it crashed one day. Maybe you did that. Maybe it was me. No poll. Twitter crashed. I crashes. don't know. I, I, I forget what day that was, but it, it totally crashed one day. Maybe it was just because we didn't do what we usually do. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, Sorry, it's Twitter. Re- really, it's a real possibility. Um <laughs> But I did come up with a question for us to fill this time with, and that is about movie theaters. And I, this this greatly affects Star Wars. Um, what will the fate be, basically, of, of movie theaters with everything that's going on? Because, you know, Adam, when they released, they started opening back up, they released Tenet. We, got, we went and saw that. It was very exciting to go see a, a movie on the big screen again, a new movie. And then after that, things just sort of... I mean, there's been some releases, not any big ones, and a lot of movies have been pushed back. Um, so what are your thoughts on the future of movie theaters as as it stands right now? Mm. If, if we can't get back to some sort of uh, acceptable level of venturing out into public and seeing a movie, then a lot of theaters are going to close and i don't know if it's like big like chains but definitely mm-hmm. uh, like private owned theaters um right they, those might be permanent closings you know i hope not i hope the private ones uh, yeah i hope it maybe mm-hmm. i don't know i hope maybe it could be like a temporary closure and you know but i don't know how that right. would even work but it's like I don't know if I mean if we can't get back in and and spend money there and like even I, I'm I I worry a little bit about Cinemark because like we've gone you and I gone have gone mm-hmm. and I I love going to Cinemark I, I love their experience there but yep. like I'm not giving them any money to go you know because I had the I, I we had the uh, the movie club thing and then so right you know we got into Empire for free mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then we got into mm-hmm. Tenant for free because we had credits built up from like yep the spring so like we've seen movies there but i haven't paid anything to, to see them right <laughs> you know yeah i'm starting to feel that way too like uh that made me think of mulan because you know my yeah. Brittany wasn't very very excited about watching mulan but i totally i would have spent the 30 bucks to see it soon just because i'd be mm-hmm. like okay i'm giving disney money for a movie um you know i feel like i'm contributing to the continuation of of what I love Um, because, you know, and and people might say, Hey, I'd rather just watch a movie at home, but which is fine. But for me, there's no comparison to actually going to the movie theater and having that experience. And I always want that to be an option. (laughs) You know, I used to feel that way. Like I, I used to, there used to be a big part of me that would have rather just watched a movie at home. But then, mm-hmm. you know, after I go back to Cinemark and you have the recliners and you actually have walls in between your seats. And yeah. I feel like a little bit of an upcharge there kind of helps too, because, you know, you don't get as much uh, people. I think, I think people take it more seriously, maybe, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, they're spending a little bit more. So maybe it's like, they're more prone to just sit down and watch and shut up for a little bit. Right. Um, 
but then you know having like that wall between seats helps too because i don't have to worry about some idiot behind me kicking my seat for two kicking and a half seat, hours because yeah. <laughs> that happens right. all the time uh mm-hmm. at our, our our local theater cinemark's not really our local theater but we you and i travel a little bit farther to get away from that um, well, yeah i mean because i literally have a movie theater down the road from me yeah that i will like, not go like to two minutes because, from, yeah because i'd rather drive 20 25 minutes to go to cinemark because of the experience yeah right so so cinema kind of changed my opinion on that, you know, just having that different experience. That's way better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, you, you mentioned Milan and then this past week, uh, Disney t- announced that soul, uh, their Disney Pixar movie, that's going to be going straight to Disney plus. Right. Um, everything Marvel's been pushed off to next year and then bond has gotten pushed off to next year now. Right. It's going to get rough. Yeah, I mean, and Dune got pushed back as well. And, uh-huh. you know, I don't I don't know what's going to happen with Wonder Woman or or if it already got pushed back or not. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. I, th- I thought it did, but it might not have. That might have just been that, that first delay that I was thinking. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, in my opinion, and I understand, you know, people that don't want to go out and maybe risk if they have a health risk or anything like that. I totally get that. But I do think that there's a safe way to have these movie theaters having being open, they, you know, and, and having newer movies. Um, you know, I, I think that I felt very I mean, safe. I felt very safe as well. And now and, we are in a smaller, you know, we're not in a metropolitan area. So, you know, right. that, that that's a factor too, but I felt, I felt very safe. I thought it was clean. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Actually, the way when we saw Tenet, the way that we bought our tickets, there wasn't anyone within like twenty feet of us, let alone six yeah, feet. Yeah, yeah, there was um, plenty. Of... But then yeah. even like Cinemark's offering very reasonable rates on just buying out a theater. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's you like a hundred dollars, yeah, or hundred and fifty, hundred dollars, something like that, and you bring know, your family or whatever. Split that between like ten, fifteen people. Yeah. And that's pretty reasonable, you know. Yeah, and I mean. And I've been out and about. I've gone to restaurants. I, I went to a birthday party yesterday, and there are a lo- large people, groups of people um, that are in these restaurants or that are outside, and they're not necessarily wearing masks. And, you know, all that stuff's still continuing. Um, I think the major issue with movie theaters is the studios don't want to release their movies to half of like a half capacity or like with only half of people half of the theater being able to see it and they're not going to make as much money. I, th- I think that's, you know, th- they've invested money into the film, have a certain budget, and then they want to at least make that back. I, I think there's a concern that that won't happen right now. Yeah, right. Um, so, you know, I had this thought in my head, well, maybe, you know, you know, yeah, maybe they have half capacity in the, in the theater, but then maybe you have more showings, you know, maybe you, the theater, let's say, you know, black widow comes out and you dedicate like four screens to black widow and you just space out longer periods of time because it's like you don't have to worry about pushing out black widow for you know something else right yeah have it there for longer um but even if even if we're just looking at major releases like black widow or bond or something like that you know maybe you can mm -hmm. dedicate half of a theater to that and let it sit for a, a few more weeks you know yeah yeah but we'll see what's going to happen. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm kind of concerned. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. worried about that yeah, movie theater you. experience going away. 
and it, at least for the foreseeable future, the way that movies mm -hmm. are even going to be made on a smaller budget. And I, I like small budget films and everything, but you're not going to, I think once this wave maybe, of blockbusters, that was maybe supposed this to come is out a perfect year, time for something like the volume to have existed, you yeah. know, because maybe something mm -hmm. like that cuts down on yep. budget costs and you don't have to travel as much. And even if you don't get the on location stuff, maybe you just get the kind of the next best thing for a while. Maybe that, right. maybe that helps. Maybe that was a, an opportune invention at the right time for sure i was thinking the same thing the other day but yeah um yeah you know, i think it's something we both care about i thought we could talk about that a little bit today just the fate of movie theaters how it relates to star wars it relates to things we love and um hopefully it will theaters will always be there but we'll find out um so what is coming up on this week's show sir uh, we have star wars news uh, a lot of mando stuff i'm seeing here and some other tv uh news so we're going to cover that and then you mentioned at the top of the show this is last jedi week so uh we're gonna do our thank the maker for last jedi i think it's very fitting that you know we're coming up on our anniversary of one year doing the That's show true. and I didn't you know think we, about it that way. we really kicked the show off with last jedi and now we're, we're coming the second back episode was a big it, last so. jedi talk yeah yes yes so here we go let's dive into it Well, you want the bad news or the really bad news? So first up in the news today, uh, it was announced that the Lego Star Wars holiday special will be on Disney Plus Tuesday, November 17th. And we have a, an image that is kind of a teaser. Mm -hmm. It says yeah. to Luke from your father with an image of a severed Lego hand. <laughs> That was and then, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing, you know, Vader is gifting Luke <laughs> with his severed hand, and mm -hmm. this is the holiday special, and there's also a little bit more information here. The Lego Star Wars holiday special reunites Ray, Finn, Poe, Chewie, Rose, and the droids for a joyous feast on Life Day. Ray sets off on a new adventure with BB-8 to gain a deeper knowledge of the Force. At a mysterious Jedi temple, she is hurled into a cross-timeline adventure through beloved moments in Star Wars cinematic history, coming into contact with Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Yoda, Obi-Wan, and other iconic heroes and villains from all nine Skywalker saga films. Um, so we, and we're, we're having, uh, the, as far as casting goes, we have Kelly Marie Tran um, reprising Rose Tico. Billy D. Williams voicing Lando. Anthony Daniels as 3PO. Um, Matt Lanter as Anakin. Tom Kane as Yoda and Qui-Gon. James Arnold Tainer, Taylor, Obi-Wan, and D. Bradley Baker, Clone Troopers. So any thoughts on the holiday special? There was a glimpse on this, by the way, a glimpse of this. Um, there was a little YouTube teaser for what's coming in November on Disney plus. And, and there was a, a brief like image of the, the holiday special on there. Yeah. Uh, that, that the poster, the teaser poster was really, really funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was good on them. That was, that was, that was a good poster. Uh, yes. So if that's an indication of the humor, then, you know, we're all in for a good ride. Um, sure. I was interested in the casting because it was interesting to see like, like a Kelly Marie Tran come back for that, but nobody else, you mm -hmm. know, um, mm -hmm. So, but you know, but those characters are are part of this. Ray Finn Poe, yes. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was interesting. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Oscar Isaac uh, voice Poe in uh, Resistance, or is that someone yes. else? 
Yes, yeah. you did. So uh, it's just uh, interesting food for thought, I guess. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, so I'm yeah, excited, excited about overall. that one. The Tuesday yeah. release date's a little odd for Disney+, Plus, but... It is. It's usually Fridays yeah. for them. Curious. I mean, Mando will probably still be going on at that time, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it was definitely yeah, it's it's going on through uh, right up through Christmas, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, interesting uh, release day. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it looks, looks pretty funny, uh, judging just by that poster. Definitely. And speaking of Mando, we have new character posters uh, for The Mandalorian Season 2 coming from StarWars.com. Um, we have the Mando, him, the Mandalorian himself. Of course, we have the child, Cardoon, and Grief Karga, our main characters. And uh, an interesting background in these images mm-hmm. as well. That's and the first thing I looked at. Yeah, and, and some wardrobe, slight wardrobe changes, especially yeah. for Grief in, yeah. in these posters. Grief is donning so, his Emperor Red. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> but Any yeah, thoughts the, about the background? A lot of thoughts about the backgrounds. Yeah. So there's interesting character. There's definitely uh, Gamorrean guards. Gamorrean guard, yeah. There's some things that look maybe like Tusken Raiders, too. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what that thing is behind Grief on the top, uh, his top right shoulder, top left of the poster, but there's this blue character with almost like these tusks on his chin with a uh, circle and a line through it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm interested yeah, in that. Uh, mm-hmm. Grief also has a Emery in right above his uh, left right. shoulder. And right. then Cara Dune has a, a Starbird mm-hmm. uh, alliance symbol. Uh, some people are, you know, looking at these spray painting things and, you know, thinking Sabine. Right. Yeah, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, she was uh, always a fan of doing that. <laughs> yeah. Rivers. Yeah. So. So yeah, there's definitely, definitely, I think meaning in the in those images back there. Mm-hmm. And that was actually yeah, before are... I even looked at the characters. I'm seeing the background, and you know, that's kind of what I was looking at. Yeah, I, th- I think these posters are super cool. Yeah. Um, and I love the little hints that they have here in the background. So cool stuff. And we, we also got a, uh, a new 30-second uh, teaser for Season 2. Um, this focused more on, you know, um, why can't I think of his name right now? Moff Gideon. Yeah, this this one focused more on, on Moff Gideon and his goal of basically getting the child. And we also got some pretty cool shots. Um, we see uh, Grief and Cara Dune and, and Mandalorian working together a little bit for a brief moment. And some TIE fighters lifting off what looks like there's kind of like lava underneath this planet. Um mm-hmm. Any speculation about what that planet might be? I mean, I, I know... Navarro has some lava underneath it as well, um, as we saw in last season. But, but yeah. Do you want to play This won't work very well for uh audio podcast, but do you want to play the trailer? Yeah, let's go ahead and let's, take a look at it here. Listen live. to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have something I want. It will be mine.
30th on Disney Plus. That's a pretty cool, quick look at season two. Um, anything jumping out at you, Adam? Um, not major. Uh, yeah, you know, a couple little things like you mentioned, but nothing, nothing major. It was good to, as uh, Moff Gideon really wasn't in the first trailer at all. Right. Uh, so it was kind of good just to remind everyone that, you know, he's still around. He's still doing things. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, that's the main thing I took away. And mm-hmm. then just some of those other shots that we didn't get in the main trailer. Right. Um, and finally, in news this week, we have a little bit of an update on the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series. It is set to begin filming in March of 2021. Um, Ewan McGregor confirmed this on the Graham Norton show. And, you know, he kind of talks a little bit about how he's getting closer in age to Alec Guinness when Alec Guinness was in the original Star Wars. He's um, not that close. He, <laughs> getting I there. Think he's, I think he's um, exaggerating that a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess uh, Alec Guinness was 62 during production on A New Hope, and McGregor will be 50 years old when production starts in March. I guess, so, I guess um, he's a little older than I thought he was. But, uh, yeah, yeah, he looks, he doesn't look you know, he, he looks does, young. No, he doesn't look 50. Right. And and he just discussed how much of an influence Guinness was on his performance of the character in the prequel trilogy. And yeah, just now that he's older, he's looking to meet Alec Guinness somewhere in the middle um, in terms of his performance, you know, in, in between the prequels and obviously where Alec Guinness was in A New Hope. So mm-hmm. it'll be really interesting. Yeah, I remember we that. talked about that during Thank the Maker for the prequels, where he was like gradually over the three movies, you know, kind of increasing his... uh I don't want to say like imitation, but you know, kind of like more inspiring, uh, using, using Guinness as more of an inspiration as he went on through the prequels. So for sure, I'm actually hoping he says, he says meet in the middle. I'm hoping for, you know, a little more towards the Guinness end of. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. And, uh, so it'll be exciting to see Obi-Wan when it happens. I can't wait for that. And that is it for the news today. And we are about to head into our main segment of the show. Thank the maker, The Last Jedi. Thank the maker. This oil bath is going to feel so good. Okay, everybody. So, Adam, I am very excited about this conversation. Um, You know, I I love this documentary. And, um, you know, you're definitely going to hear a biased opinion on my part about the last Jedi and, and about uh, the director and the Jedi. I'm a, I'm a big fan of this. And, you know, um, I know that might not be the case for all fans and and that's cool. You know, we all have our point of views and Adam, you might have different point of views than, than mine on this. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm working very hard. I'm not, you know, letting any of those because you know, this, this segment's about, you know, thanking the work that went into the movie and taking mm-hmm. a look at it and, you know, uh, it's. I've not been shy about saying it's not my favorite of the Star Wars movies, but it sure. doesn't mean that I can't appreciate what effort went into making it. Mm-hmm. And you know, full disclosure, I usually kind of uh, spearhead these segments, but last week I asked you to do that just because I didn't want. Not that I would ever like intentionally like put less of an effort into this movie just because it's not my favorite, uh, but I didn't want that to kind of cloud the the segment as a whole because you know i wanted to uh, i wanted last jedi to get its fair share of praise because you know it yeah 
may not be my favorite, but it deserves all the praise that's coming its way. So, For sure. And I, I appreciate that because I was very excited to dive into this and very excited to, to you know, kind of put this together and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, buckle in everybody because, you know, this, this, there's a lot of stuff here and, um, you know, it could be a lengthy conversation about the last Jedi, but the source on this one is the director and the Jedi. Of course, I mentioned that earlier. Um, and I thought it was interesting that this documentary opens up kind of with, um, Daisy and, and Daisy Ridley and Mark Hamill that are practicing a scene um, that takes place on Octo in the backyard of Pinewood Studios. They're, you know, like Daisy's like in her sweats. <laughs> they're, they're in like their street clothes and yeah, um, yeah. They're, they're practicing the scene where, you know, Ray basically confronts Luke about creating Kylo Ren and, and that whole confrontation where she has the staff and, you know, she hits mm-hmm, Luke right. with it and everything like that. Yeah. Um, so I just thought it was cool that they just did this in like the backyard of, of Pinewood studios out in the grass. And <laughs> I just, that just kind of stood out to me, you know? Um, yeah. And even so I, thought, I, I was listening to the audio commentary this week too. And, you know, just, you know, mentioning the, the training there, because uh, that was one of the things that came up in the audio commentary was just how much training went into that, especially, mm-hmm. I know we'll get into this later, but especially during the uh, throne room scene. Yes, for sure. Um, and then we kind of get a look at, I, I believe it was the rap party actually. And, yeah, and Kathleen yeah. Kennedy made some comments about working with Ryan Johnson and Ram Bergman. Um, and, and those two, you know, work together on, I think all of Ryan Johnson's films. Um, and they kind of have a unique relationship in that. And, you know, she basically said, Kathleen Kennedy said she never had an experience like working with them. Um, of course you're going to say, you know, nice things. Um, about about who you work with but i feel like especially for some reason party. It's like, yeah 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 you're not gonna get Certainly. up there and say this was this was the worst this was terrible <laughs> thank this god this is over <laughs> <laughs> but i do feel like this i didn't hear about any production issues and this some of the other movies faced in star wars in the disney area the last shot i didn't seem to have those same issues for whatever reason i think ryan really had a specific vision and we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, and he was, you know, very sure about what he wanted to do. And, and I think Kathleen Kennedy was on board and um, everybody just put their energy into, into that vision. And it went relatively smoothly, you know, compared to some of the other ones. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I didn't hear about a whole lot of issues during The Force Awakens either that I think mm-hmm. back on it. Right. But then after that just seems like an avalanche. And I don't know if that's just part of the fallout from, you know, fans on this movie, you know, yeah. being so split on it. Right. I don't know. I don't know what that's about. But yeah, uh, yeah, definitely did not have a lot of production issues. But then it seems mm-hmm. like after that, then, you know, not just not just the whole Colin Trevorrow thing or anything like that. It's pretty, pretty much everything has had issues, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. The movie that was the most divisive um, had yeah. maybe the least amount of issues. Right. Um, but it was also interesting that they they shot on Skellig Michael and they were continuing the end of The Force Awakens and what happened directly after that. And they only had two days to shoot because, you know, Skellig Michael was kind of like a sacred place. Um, and yeah. with the, the, yeah. the ruins and everything. And um, so they basically went in there early 
did this shoot um, and, and, and Ryan had this to say about Ray. Some young kid shows up and hands him a symbol of everything he's walked away from being the lightsaber. It's not like he's going to fire it up and say, let's go. He's done with that. That's why he's here. And then we have Mark Hamill who says, basically, I fundamentally disagree with your concept of this character. Yeah. Having said that, I'll do everything within my power to realize your vision. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of you know, the first time I saw this movie, I've had it. I had issues with it. And we know that I've talked about that before. I don't want to go into that too much today. No, but right, right. But I, I do want to say that Ryan kind of justifies a lot of his decisions throughout this documentary, whether you agree with that justification or not. And I just find it interesting the way he looks at this, the story yeah. and the way he looks at the character of Luke. Um, right. Basically, he coming from George Lucas and from JJ and Lawrence cast and Luke is on this Island. Right. And there has to be a reason, a good reason for him being on this Island and him and, and Han saying, you know, he he blames himself. He he went away, um, blamed himself for what happened and everything. So Ryan had to, in my opinion, pick that thread up and continue with it and give a good reason. There there had to be some type of resistance from Luke in the beginning of the film. You know, it wasn't going. It was never going to be like, okay, yeah, let's go. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, but Adam, you might fundamentally disagree with what I just said, so, <laughs> which is all good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I don't like I don't the throwing the that. lightsaber yeah. over the shoulder. Like yeah. I wasn't a fan of that. I don't really want to get into that whole thing, you know. Right. Um, but I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of fall on you know more Mark's side of that, and mm -hmm. really, what I wanted to say about this whole segment because this, you know, this stuck out when I was watching this this week also. But you know. Mark's professionalism there is something we can all yeah. learn from and absolutely, you know, he has his disagreements and mm -hmm. he, uh, you know, he vocalized that, uh, but he had a, he, he, res he had a respect about him that, you know, you know, maybe some, some fans, uh, can learn something from, you know, you can disagree mm -hmm. with something, but you can still move on with your life. And, you know, Mark put his all into that. Even though he, you know, maybe felt like, kind of felt like I did about about Luke, right. uh, but he did the right thing about it. You know, he he put his whole effort into that, and uh, one of one of the greatest performances of his career, not just as Luke, but of his career uh, in this movie. So I was just gonna say that I think this is absolutely his best performance of his career. Um, and he gave that performance disagreeing with right. what Ryan right. wrote for that character. So I think right. that's tremendous. Um, and so after this the took place on Skellig Michael, basically they had to go into, after that, they had to go into more pre-production mm -hmm. casting, yeah. you know, that took place after that. So there was like a gap in time before they started shooting again. And the um, creature slash droid effects supervisor, Neil Scanlon said, if we, when it came to creatures, if we took Force Awakens and Rogue One and put them together, this project is still bigger, which I thought was fascinating. Um, you know, when it comes to creature slash droid effects, um, 
Yeah. You put those two films together and this was bigger. And I, and I sometimes I forget about all the creatures that are in the last Jedi, you know, whether it's the porgs or the, uh, the sea cow or, um, you know, all the creatures that are in Canto bite, um, all the aliens, all the different species. Um, right. And sometimes I forget about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, having that, we have having crystal that boxes. Scene, like, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Canto bite, I think definitely adds to the creatures. Cause you get not only just the creatures in the casino, but you get the, um, I'm blanking on what they're called. Those horse things. Uh, oh yeah. The, the fothiers or however you yeah, say it. There you Fo- go. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, those things. Uh, yeah, you get yeah. those things too. So, I mean, Canto bite definitely, definitely adds to all of the creatures, uh, uh creature aspects. And I love creatures uh, in star Wars. You know, we talked about mm-hmm. return of the Jedi. That was like the creature movie of the original yes. trilogy. And, yeah. you know, um, I don't know. I just think it adds so much to, to star Wars when you have that type of imaginative, uh, uh, you know, cre- animals, creatures, alien species, mm-hmm. you know, it just adds to it, I think. Absolutely. And, you know, while this film didn't face as many production issues, there were still budget things, uh, as with any film, um, that had to be considered. So mm-hmm. one thing the creature department had to do was weigh the cost benefit of using animatronics versus CG creatures. Um, you know, so they had to look at each at each creature and decide, okay, is this cost effective? Should we do this as an animatronic? Can we can we get away with doing this as a, as a CG creature? Um, and, and looking at those things, you know, for example, the, the the sea cow, for example, which we'll get into a little bit more later, was pretty huge, a huge animatronic. Um, and they, you know, they decided to stick with that versus the digital in that mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they were faced with those kind of decisions. But jumping to casting actors and characters, um, this this was basically Ryan's approach to episode eight, the, the middle chapter um, in this trilogy, you know, and often the middle chapter, you know, challenges the characters, challenges the audience. And his approach was to look at what he knew about each character at the end of episode seven and how could he challenge each of them, um, you know, so looking at Finn and how could he challenge Finn's desire to just to only be focused on ray um even though he kind of chose the resistance at the end of force awakens now the last jedi was more about um choosing again the resistance but over over ray you know and the importance of the whole resistance versus one other person um i think with poe you know the challenge of being a leader and what that means versus you know being a hero for ray it was obviously the challenge of her identity and who she belongs to and and everything so i I, there was a a lot of challenges for these characters in this film and that's how he Mm -hmm. kind of approached that he also really struggled with the decision to kill luke in in episode eight um i recently heard something about luke's original treatment had or, or i'm sorry um george's george's george lucas's original treatment treatment had luke dying in episode eight i don't know if that's true or not um, who knows? Because but, then, then there was a there was a little video with Mark Hamill talking about <laughs> uh, coming back and working. Uh, George talking about having him come back and working on Star Wars as uh, like a grandfather, Luke. You know, so right, right. So you never know. It's kind of um, like we talked about um, with uh, 
the sequel trilogy with it being mishandled. You know, it's just some of the stuff is right. made up on the fly. That's how it, that's how it works. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not all always it's not all set in there, stone, even though you know, there's a treatment, you know, with Luke mm-hmm. dying. It doesn't mean that that was set in stone. And, you know, people will use that for arguments, you know, hold it up and say, see, George says this, but, you know. Sure, sure. It's just but, yeah, one of those I mean, things that changes, you know. Mm-hmm. But I do think, you know, it seemed like Ryan really struggled with the decision. Yeah. To, I mean, that's a hard decision it. for anyone. It to make. was very difficult. Something he yeah. wrestled with right. in his mind. Um, as far as Rose goes, and we'll get into Luke's death a little bit later. But as yeah. far as Rose yeah. goes, um, to Ryan, Rose felt like this character that was this nerd that didn't really fit into Star Wars, that didn't really belong. And that was personal to Ryan, because I, I think that's something he felt like in his life. Um, and he wanted to he, this is how he approached the whole film was for it to be personal. He felt like he didn't want to make a film just to appease fans. He wanted to make a film that was personal to him because that's kind of what George did back in the day when he made the original Star Wars. He it had to be personal. Um, it had to be his story. And then hopefully people would love it or or, or not. Um, so I think that's what he tried to do here with that. And um, there also was this interview with Carrie Fisher and she was talking about Ryan. She said um, he has a very specific vision and he's, he's very good at working with, with actors or, or two of the things that she said about, about Ryan. Yeah. She also um, called him an, a, an a-hole. <laughs> yes. But that yeah, was, that did. was Carrie being that, Carrie. That was Carrie being Carrie, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought, what stood out to me about that was his ability to work with actors, because I've said this before yeah. many times that I think Ryan Johnson brought out the best performances in a lot of these actors for this trilogy, in my, in my humble opinion. Um, Ram Bergman had said about Mark Hamill, you know, Mark thought he was going to be the Luke Skywalker of this trilogy, but really he's Obi, you know, re- really he's kind of the Obi-Wan of the trilogy where the hero is Ray. Um, and and Mark just isn't in that role that he was hoping he would be in. Um, so that's something that stood out to me too. Um, just looking at Luke in that, in that way. And um, Ryan also said about Ray, that Ray shows up on the Island with a set of expectations. He says, there are folks in your life that are supposed to fill a certain thing, but we grow up and realize that doesn't always happen. So this idea of, kind of meeting your hero and and that hero not being what you expected um and then you have to be the hero and i think that's what the last jedi is really all about in a lot of ways and the idea that even you know we have this vision of our parents when we're younger that they're perfect that they can't make mistakes and then we kind of learn later on in life um that they're flawed you know <laughs> and um that's a hard realization sometimes so i, I think yeah. he uses a lot of life lessons and a lot of layers in this film yeah and then ryan on kylo ren um i thought this was really interesting he said kylo is a villain that you can relate to more than darth vader um because you can see that pull to the light that he has and you don't really see that with with vader till the end with luke and you know um he and ray are two halves of the protagonist um so as opposed to ray being the protagonist and kylo being the antagonist they're two halves of the protagonist. What do you think of that idea? Do you agree uh, with that? It sounds like they're a dyad to me. Mm-hmm, it does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, uh, it, it kind of reinforces, I think, what happens when we're going to talk about this next week in Rise of Skywalker, you know, 
Uh, and, you know, what he says about Kylo is very interesting. You know, we see, especially when he takes off that helmet and we see the person underneath, you know, it's not this scarred, uh, burnt, right. you know, Anakin. You know, this is a, a person under there that maybe we can relate to more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that... that um, that I totally get, and uh, you know, Ray, he and Ray being two halves of the protagonist, you know, that's just like I said, that's something that uh, I'll carry with me into the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, no doubt. And because I for think... as much as uh, you know is made of the Rise of Skywalker, and we will talk about this a lot more next week, but it didn't undo uh, as much in this movie as uh, people blame it for. So uh, I, agree. I, I think there's some. You know, very. I think there's some very obvious and very strong uh, beats that are carried from the Last Jedi into the Rise of Skywalker. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, I I also just think for me, what solidified this, you know, kind of two halves co-protagonist thing was the throne room scene, um, where you know it's kind of their conversations through the Force mm-hmm. are all leading up to this scene where they join forces and, you know, just seeing that I was so thrilled by that when I saw it and, and, you know, and then of course yeah. it goes the other way. Um, but at that, least this that, wasn't a Christopher Nolan movie because then we'd have like Dr. Seuss type of like protagonist one protagonist two. <laughs> right. Right. That right. Would be, would be their actual <laughs> names. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get into some more shooting. Um, and, there were 120 sets created for this film, which is a lot. <laughs> I don't, I couldn't find really what the, the things they talked. Yeah. Has, and but... they made some big sets for this too. Yeah. Like built mm-hmm. big sets for this, you know? Right. I mean, and like you talk about the... the budget stuff. That's one of the things they were talking about is having to build more sets. They, you know, yeah. Was a ton, you know, the tree is, is a set. Yeah. I was just going to say, that's the one that stood out to me was the, the whole throne tree room. scene with Yoda and everything was a set in the throne room. Um, yeah. yeah, lots, lots of big sets. And, and I, and also I know this was done in the rise of Skywalker, but editing was done during the filming process for the last Jedi as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just because of the schedule and, and everything yeah, had to be yeah. scheduled perfectly to be able to to work with all these sets on time and and get it all done they kind of had to map this all out and i'm sure that was a nightmare (laughs) figuring that out (laughs) um but yeah ryan would kind of edit after shooting and everything and look at things i think that would actually be helpful for a director to to edit during you would think i don't know why that's not done more often actually yeah um because then if you need to reshoot something real quick you could go right away but yeah yeah um, I thought this was really cool. They had like this tablet that they took to the throne yeah. room set. Yeah, Speaking that was very cool. Set, yeah, and they would look in it and turn it like on the set. It's like an augmented reality type thing where. Yeah, yeah. so you know it was kind of like a green screen, but when you look through the tablet, right. you could see like the red of the throne room and and yeah. all the things digitally completed, um, which I thought was just really really cool. Yeah. And then um, the weapons they used would actually make firing sounds and produce kickback. So it felt like you were really firing something when you were filming, which I think just helps the actors and adds to their experience. Yeah, except uh, Ryan mentioned during the audio commentary that Laura Dern would just like to say pew pew when she would shoot. And you can still kind of see her <laughs> her lips, you know, pew yeah, when like, she shoots. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. 
Um, I think probably my favorite part of this entire documentary is the stuff with Yoda. Um, we we see Mark it's my Hamill. Part of the film too. Yeah, yeah, and Mark Hamill visits where Frank Oz is practicing with Yoda, basically, and they they have the you know the old puppet, um, which was actually you they use the original mold from the original trilogy from the Empire Strikes Back to create recreate Yoda. Which and is interesting because I thought it looked a little different, you know. It did. I think when they filmed it, maybe it was because of the blue glow and, and like yeah, yeah. I don't even the shape or whatever. whatever. It just I don't mm-hmm. know. It just felt a little yeah. different. It did feel a little face, different to me too. His face, it was I don't know. But yeah, right. using the original mold, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, it was just a little weird. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I liked it being a puppet. I, I like. I, I don't want to. Like, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying it was weird that it. You know, they went um, practical with it, but it's. I don't know. Because I think it would have been weirder if it had been digital. Yeah. Because yeah, right. because of what they said about Luke's experience with Yoda was when Yoda was a puppet. So for him to yeah, interact right. with the digital version wouldn't have felt right. Um, right. And and Mark Hamill got so emotional when he yeah. was watching this. You know, you you could see that he he got he was very emotional throughout this entire filming process, and rightfully so. Um, but this was one of those moments where he was just taking it in you know and um and frank oz thought yoda would be digital again so he thought he'd just have to do the voice and mm-hmm. ryan asked him we were doing the puppet and he's like do you know what you're getting yourself into with this <laughs> because it's complicated to uh film with a puppet um you know when you're working on a set and everything like yeah. that and speaking of of mark hamill on set he was often seen on set during scenes that didn't even involve him, you know, like he was on the, the Canto bite set and um, he just, you could just see him like walking around looking at different things. He really gets into the whole process, I think, we'll which is probably awesome. talk about that again next week too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I just love that. that for rise of Skywalker too, just showing up and just like a kid. Right. It's having a good time. Yeah, he just, he loves it, which is great. Um, you know, I can't say enough positive things about Mark Hamill. And uh, and then we had the shooting of the throne room scene, and um, which again is probably my favorite scene in the film. I don't know about you, and uh, they Yoda for me. <laughs> Yoda, yeah. I mean, yeah. well, there's to me, there's a lot of great moments. I mean, I, I I do love the opening space battle with Poe. I love all that stuff. I love the throne room scene. I love the Yoda scene. Um, so there's a lot a lot of good stuff, but. The throne room scene, they scene they used a wide angle lens to capture the action. And um, Ryan compared it to kind of like a samurai style fight uh, that took place in the throne room. And Daisy and Adam trained for six months so that they could perform the scene themselves because it was really crucial to see the actors, you know, to, to see them doing these things. And um, yeah. I think we talked about that a little last week, even. Yeah, a little bit last week, talking about, mm-hmm. you know, training and having them actually do that. You know, I think back to the prequels with, like, uh, uh, you know, Dooku having his face painted on someone else. And it's just, you know, <laughs> Right. It makes a difference, you know. It does. To see the actors doing it. And, I mean, it, it, it has a complicated fight. You know, I, I yeah. can't imagine being in the actor's shoes and having to pull that off, you know. Um, definitely complicated, so. Yeah. 
and then next we're going to talk about Octo a little bit. Um, and I think it's interesting that the shooting for this planet took place in three different locations. Um, Skellig Michael, we mentioned earlier, Pinewood mm-hmm. Studios with like the, the tree and the Yoda scene were a set at Pinewood. Um, and then Ireland, um, you know, they, they had actually moved um, the set for the village, like the Jedi village where mm-hmm. Luke sleeps and everything. Yeah. Um, where race days and that in the huts they they moved that actually to ireland um from pinewood uh to to film those scenes and everything so i thought it was cool that they used like three different shooting yeah. locations and we didn't really talk about this last week but that that type of stuff happened in force awakens too where mm-hmm. you know uh they would film some stuff and then they have to get i don't know they'd have to go back and not really reshoots but get some more stuff uh and they would do that like on the roof of bad robot or something, you know? And yeah. You know, so right. yeah, it's interesting because you, you see it and it looks, it's so well done with, with editing and post. And uh, it's like, you don't even know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very seamless, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, I think this is actually my favorite planet in the sequel trilogy. I, I think it just has a lot of history. It has a, a lot of meaning. Um, and, and it's beautiful. <laughs> look at i never thought about you my know, favorite planet sequels. yeah it's interesting so I, th- I think this is probably mine i really like exegol exegol is cool exegol is cool but i like that we get to see it. octo like twice yeah, yeah true yeah or three times actually it's in all three of the yeah, sequel yeah so um and then we had um the the massive animatronic sea cow that i mentioned before mm-hmm. it had to be actually flown in via helicopter placed there um and to top it all off it could actually be milked (laughs) which i think is really cool um and i I think there was actually like adam doesn't but i I think there was actually (laughs) white milk coming out of the thing when they were shooting it which was which was interesting not green they must have changed that (laughs) oh my (laughs) but yeah i mean i know a lot of people have an issue with that scene (laughs) <laughs> but I think it just I think it just feels so real that there's this, mar- you know, like Luke is trying to live off of this island and he has to, and you see him fishing, you see him like milking this thing like we don't see that a lot in Star Wars. Like where do they where do they get their no. food from? And <laughs> no, stuff, we don't. You know what I mean? um, <laughs> so I thought that was cool. But I know there's a lot of people that would disagree with me on that one, which is fine. Um, <laughs> it's it's yeah. a comical moment i'll give it that <laughs> it is it, is. And it it's made for a lot of and it's comical that for some reason we have to actually milk it <laughs> yes yes so yeah that thing could actually be milked wow amazing so <laughs> but let's move on um to kind of the we're coming to the close of this segment and talking about luke's death and Ryan, you know, it was a struggle. We talked about that. He really wanted Luke's death to be on Luke's terms. And, you know, not for him to be offed by like Snoke or somebody like that, but for it to be this kind of sacrificial thing, for it to have peace and purpose um, and to feel like a victory. And, you know, his sacrifice basically saves and inspires a new generation of heroes, especially Ray, who takes up his mantle in, in a way. Um, so what are your thoughts of this explanation behind Luke? You know, I, um, I don't know that I've ever really been bothered by the way that Luke died in this movie. Mm -hmm. You know, um, some people have that issue and I, I feel like, 
I feel like when when people know that I don't like the last Jedi, like oh, so you don't like the, the Luke thing? No, I'm actually okay with how Luke died. Yeah. Um, I, I I think that that death for him makes sense. You know, uh, you don't want you don't want Luke to you know get stabbed through the heart like Han did. You know, that's right. that's not how I want right. Luke to go out. Uh, mm-hmm. So for Luke to go out the way that he did here, uh, you know definitely is it feels heroic uh it gives your heroes a chance to escape because that's kind of what he's really trying to do i think mm-hmm. uh and so so that all sits very well with me yeah and i i love i love how ryan tells the the way he works this story you know and in, in the beginning luke is all against him being a legend he thinks he thinks that the fact that him being a legend is actually what led to uh ben becoming kylo ren uh, and and everything and 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 blames himself but then in the end he realizes the galaxy needs the legend of luke skywalker to be inspired and to continue and fight on and be the spark that kind of lights the fire that burns the first order down so um I just think it's it's really a, a, a beautiful way of bringing things full circle in, in the film. And one of the last points I want to make here is another one of my absolutely my absolute favorite moments from this film. And it, you know, the first few times I saw it, there were tears. <laughs> not gonna lie, um, but just the scene between Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, um, Luke and Leia on crate, and you know just them reuniting and and being on screen together and knowing now that that was the last time um that 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 would happen and just the emotion behind that and i think carrie gives such a beautiful performance and mark does too and um i just love that scene and, and you know luke says no one's ever really gone and i think it has meaning that is on a deeper level than just it has meaning in the film you know, with with Han yeah. and Ben and and everything not being really gone, but it also has meaning in our, in our real in the real world with Carrie um, passing yeah. away. And so I just think it's just beautiful. Yeah, um, definitely. So that's kind of how I wanted to end the talk on the director and the Jedi. Unless you had any final thoughts on this documentary? No, I mean I, I've I've watched this before a few years ago. It was nice to go back and revisit it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, kind of see revisit it after the whole this last time I watched it was right after the um right after the home release. So uh it was good to go back and see it revisit it after all is said and done, you know, with the trilogy as a whole. Uh yeah. so uh you know once again for me this is one of those things that I just uh, I'm glad we're doing this segment these segments, this series of, of shows. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because we get a chance to go back and, you know, look at the the behind the scenes stuff and just kind of give some appreciation for what happened with making this movie. Because no matter how I feel about it, no matter how Mark Hamill feels about it, there was so much work and dedication that went into making this thing happen uh, that it's 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 good to go back and give it that that attention. Yeah. So absolutely. So, you know, and I feel that the director and the Jedi is a wonderfully made documentary. If you haven't checked it out yet, I think it's well worth it. And I mean, even if you completely disagreed, fundamentally disagreed um, Mm -hmm. with things that happen in this movie, it kind of gives some perspective and 
shed some light on you kind of get into Ryan's mind of, of why these decisions were made. And while it might not change your mind, it might give you a little bit more perspective and also just appreciation for the film process and everything that went into The Last Jedi. So um, give it a look if you haven't. I know it's on it's on the Blu-ray and everything, I believe. Yep, so. yep it's on um, Blu-ray. It's yeah. on digital copies too. So. so that concludes Thank the Maker, The Last Jedi edition. I'm just glad you're here. At the end. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in once again. 50 episodes deep into this podcast. That's hard to believe. Uh, But we hope you enjoyed our Last Jedi Thank the Maker segment. We hope you had a lot of fun with us this week. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, We're on pretty much all the major uh, podcast apps out there. And if you're on one like iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I guess it's called now, um, make sure you can leave us a review. It helps us know what we're doing right, what we can do better, and it helps us get out to more people as well. Uh, We have a few things to touch on for some programming updates. Next week, we're going to have Thank the Maker for Return uh, Return of the Jedi. Wow. Uh, We're going to thank the Maker (laughs) for... We're going back. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to thank that one again. No, we're actually going to look at The Rise of Skywalker. And uh, so that will be our main segment next week. However, we also have some... uh, We have a fun little review of a book uh, for next week uh, with a special guest. So make sure that you turn in tune in for that i'm not yeah, going to reveal who it is tune into that one you're going to want to tune. yeah in it's pretty talk. cool uh yeah. so so yeah make sure you tune in next week for that fun segment and i'm not uh, i'm not going to tell you who it is you're gonna have to listen so suspense yeah check out the website from a certain point of view.com for blog articles uh where you can contact us all the different places you can send us uh you know questions show topics anything like that you have uh, links to all of our socials, which are uh, Instagram, certain POV pod. Twitter is also certain POV pod. Facebook page is from a certain point of view. Discord server uh, links for that are in the uh, show notes and on the website. And I'm going to circle back to that because you're going to want to be in the Discord server here uh, in, a, in a few days for sure. Our email address is certainpovpod at gmail.com, and you can leave us a 60-second voicemail on anchor.fm if you have questions about the show. If you want to get your uh, your appreciation for The Last Jedi in, uh, we would love to play those voicemails. And like I said, let's go back to Discord for a second, because this week, on the 22nd, we're going to start some Mandalorian watch parties, and we're going to do one of those a night uh, starting on the 22nd, which would lead us right up through the 29th. Uh, we'll watch Chapter 8. Uh, and then the 30th, we have uh, Season 2 kicking off. So what we're going to do with these, uh, starting at 10 p.m. Uh, in our Discord server, we now have two brand new channels in there. There is a uh, watch party chat, and that will be for text chat. Uh, so at 10 p.m., you can either start it on your TV or uh, I will have uh, the video playing in our Discord server. Probably have to mute a good bit of that so we don't get any copyright trouble. Uh, but you at least have that to know where we're at in the uh, in the show. Or like I said, start it on your own TV at 10 p.m. Join the Discord server and you can chat right along with us. So uh, that will be the 22nd at 10 p.m. 
watch uh, Mandalorian Chapter One with us and chat with us in Discord. So that will that'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Yes, I am very excited for that. Uh, Red Five Network. That is our our home on the internet on Twitter. Uh, check out red5network.com because there are so many great podcasts on there, including two brand new ones and a brand new squad uh, this week. Uh, we have the Blue Squadron now. Uh, and so we uh, want to welcome uh, Wookie Radio and Rogue One Radio as well. Uh, brand new to the Red 5 Network this week. Two great shows. I've hung out with Wookie Radio before. Great guys over there. Um, check everyone out there. There's so many great things going on at Red Five Network, and uh, like I said, they are growing, getting bigger. So it's good stuff. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at the Gauze eighty five. Josh, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Jedi Jar 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 seventeen twenty two. Kind of stumbled on that one. Jedi Jar Jar seventeen twenty two. Um, and I just want to thank everybody for joining us today. Um, whether you're, you know, listening to us on, on your podcast or on YouTube, I just want to remind you to check out our YouTube channel, subscribe mm-hmm. there. All our episodes will be featured and you'll get to see our faces on there as well, if you want to, but I, yeah, understand I, don't, if you don't. I have a face for um, podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, thank you so much for joining us for episode 50, a landmark episode where we circled back to the last Jedi the thing that divided us and then brought us back together. (laughs) And until next time, remember that everything we said today was true from a certain point of view.